0: good morning and welcome to episode 752 of effectively wild a daily podcast from baseball prospectus brought to you by play index at baseballreference.com I'm Sam Miller along with Ben Lindbergh of Grandland hi Ben how are you not great Bob you want to uh, you want to hear something uh, that I've been thinking about yep all right I don't want to I'm afraid that it's gonna sound like I'm making a point I'm not making a point it's just uh, amusing and interesting to me but, you know, much was made about Lorenzo Cain scoring from first on the single because Jose Bautista threw the ball into second. And in Tom Verducci's uh, much shared piece, because of the preparation that the Royals and Mike Gersherly had done, uh, they were prepared for that because they noticed that Jose Bautista often threw into second base uh, in that uh, in hits to that particular location. And uh, by doing so, sure he kept the runner on second, uh, on first, but the uh, you know the winning run in the LCS scored, and um, and and again, just to be clear, I'm not trying to make a point here, but it is sort of amusing in retrospect that there was a base hit right after, and that if you ignore the fallacy of the predetermined outcome, uh, you could actually say that uh, he saved a run. Because if he hadn't thrown to second, if he'd thrown, you know, in like he was trying to cut off the run from home, uh, I mean, that ball is in a a place where maybe it is a double. Maybe Eric Hosmer gets a double. Uh, And if he's on second, then maybe he scores on Kendry's Morales single or on the next batter. And uh, so I looked at the uh, run expectancy matrix. And in fact, runner on second and third with nobody out has a higher run expectancy than runner on first with nobody out and a run in if if uh you hold if you have the choice between holding the runner uh and giving up the run or not holding the runner mm-hmm. uh and not giving up the run it actually makes sense to hold the runner at first and give up the run it's a uh, 1.853 runs expected uh, by keeping Hosmer at first and at 1.967 if you allow him to get to second uh while keeping Kane now that doesn't Obviously, take into account that the winning run yeah. in the LCS right.
1: you care scored. more about the win expectancy than yeah. the run expectancy
0: exactly. But. And in the in the bottom of the eighth inning of a tie game, one run is essentially a, a nail. And so uh, again, not making a point that uh, Jose Bautista is a plus excellence or anything like that. Uh, but in general, Jose Bautista's tendency uh, seems to be fairly wise, and uh, not in yeah. this case. uh, I don't think it was a
1: mistake. It wasn't like he threw to the wrong base exactly. I think it was just the Royals did something smart and unanticipated and unanticipatable. I mean, there was an Inside Edge tweet about how that was the first run that had scored all year on a single from a runner from first on a single with the runner not in motion. So that's just not something that happens. And I think Joe Sheehan put it in his newsletter that it was one of those plays where there is a hero, but there is not a goat. It wasn't like Batista made a mental mistake or something. It was more like the Royals made a mental success.
0: You know, I've talked about on this show that the runner scoring from first on a single is my favorite play in baseball and uh, goes back to my childhood. It's always been from age seven on my favorite play in baseball. It is like the one godlike thing you can do in sports uh, in my world. And so I am always looking for opportunities. And when Batista fielded it that way, I did immediately think, "Send him, send him, send him." And he, as he was charging around third, I went uh, or toward third, I went, "Oh my gosh, they're actually sending him!" And I was very excited. And uh, I don't, you know, it's not that that makes me better than the rest of you, but it <laughs> does make me probably more satisfied with myself and the sport in general than at least you, Ben. Yeah, sure. No, it was it was great and awesome and um, mm-hmm. I want to re- relive it every night, forever. Yeah, it was really fun. God, I love scoring from first on a single. I just love it. <laughs> it's so exciting. Mm-hmm. It's so exciting. Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> All right, so let's see. I wanted to talk about the World Series, yeah. and uh, my framing device for this is that we're going to talk about whether this is a good World Series, and we can answer that. You can answer that in any particular set of criteria that you would have for a World Series. My only recommendation is that you don't say all your thoughts in the first sentence because it's um, we've still got about a half hour to go. Yeah. So break them up into uh, into thematic topics, but uh, you can you can ask me questions or I can ask you questions. I don't really care how we do it. But uh, I want to know whether you think that this is a good World Series for, I don't know, for the game, or for you specifically, or for you as a writer, or for the moral universe, or what. I want to know what you look for in a World Series, what you're interested in in a World Series, what you care about in a matchup, and whether you think this one will. I mean, obviously you don't know how it's going to play out. Maybe it'll be a sweep, all four games not close. But do you expect it to be a satisfying World Series? So first of all, let me ask you that. Do you expect this to be a competitive World Series? I do.
1: I would expect almost any World Series to be competitive. But I think this is more competitive than most World Series.
0: What would it take? Is there any matchup that you could have imagined in this year's playoffs that would have been uncompetitive if it had been the rangers and the cubs for instance would you have found, thought that would be competitive
1: yeah i mean i wouldn't have predicted a sweep i'd pretty much never predict a sweep
0: the mets are probably three weeks ago you would have probably said the mets are the worst team in the nl right uh, uh not in the nl but in the nl playoffs
1: yeah i'm Open to the idea that they're not necessarily the worst playoff team, but worst regular season team. Yeah.
0: Oh, why? You you just wait. You're going with the strength of starting pitching. Yeah. thing? Uh, but yeah. Ben. <laughs> <laughs> I. Uh... You've you've like you've written about this multiple times. We've been doing this podcast for three and a half years, yeah. and this has come up repeatedly, and you've never wavered. Yeah, I never. I never considered it settled. I
1: don't think there's any great evidence for it, but I also think it's hard to disprove. So I'm, I'm open to the idea that this team, because it, it always seemed like it should make sense that a team with really good starting pitchers who don't have to start their sixth starter or whatever and just can use the same three, four guys over and over again, if those guys happen to be really, really good, then that should make them a better playoff team than a regular season team. That, I mean, that's hard to deny
0: It is impossible to, to deny that it makes sense Which is why we talk about it so much Because yes. it is a, a great mystery why it wouldn't make sense
1: Right But And so I think even if the statistical evidence that it doesn't make sense is not strong at all I think you come into it with the assumption that it has to be true And then if you can't find the stats to support it Then maybe you're a little less confident But you can't rule it out entirely
0: yeah, I, jeez I mean, you can't rule it out entirely, but I, I, I believe it more
1: than I believe other playoff, you know, things people say about the playoffs. Like it's not on the level of momentum or they're experienced and therefore they're going to be good, or they're inexperienced and therefore they're hungry, they're Too hungry loose. or they don't know enough. They to don't be know nervous. to be afraid. Yeah, <laughs> whatever, whatever those things that people say. I think it's a cut above those things. Hmm. Okay. Well, and there's also the fact that the Mets got better, I think, as the season went on. So they so, are not so, as bad as they were in the first half.
0: No, that's true. But I mean, even three weeks ago, you probably would have said if if pushed. And the reason I, I mean, the reason I bring this up is because I was looking for I was trying to find a mismatch where mm-hmm. you would say that's yeah. where this whole thing started. And so we've kind of gotten off. Yeah. Of my I probably
1: still match. would say that if we could restart the playoffs over again, and if the Cardinals were healthy, which they weren't.
0: So the now the Mets, yes, the Mets do get to ride their starting rotation a lot. Although it's not as though the Mets had you the they're better now than they were earlier in the season without Mats and Conforto and Cespedes and some of the guys in the bullpen and Kelly Johnson. That's Kelly Johnson. Nice of (laughs) you to nice of you to mention him. No, I know it's. I did mention him, but he's not bad. I I was just trying to remember whether he was actually a midseason addition, and he was right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's he's played for so many. He's played for every team in the East. Right. Multiple times, so it's hard to keep the year straight. But um, so that's a that's legitimate. Now the the aspect of their rotation of them getting to ride a limited part of their rotation, though, it seems like in fact with the Mets specifically you could probably argue that the opposite is true because mm-hmm. they actually had a very good fifth starter and even a good sixth starter this year, pretty good sixth starter, relative. Mm-hmm. And and they're less likely to use their starters deeper into games. The starters will probably pitch fewer innings this series than they would in random seven games during the regular season. and So they're actually arguably getting a smaller percentage of innings from their starters than they would. Now, a higher percentage from their big four, but not... You know, a higher percentage necessarily from their starters overall. M- meanwhile, they have they face a Royals team that a has a you know great back end of their bullpen and will be able to to uh, leverage that to an even greater degree, mm-hmm. uh, and in a way that the Mets bullpen doesn't really compare. And secondly, a Royals team that has a terrible bench and has to some degree you would think if the bench serves a purpose in baseball keeping players fresh and um, so on and getting them through the grind of the long season, that that would actually be a disadvantage for the Royals throughout the regular season, but much less of one now in the regular season when your bench is essentially a non-factor anyway. Right. So, arguably, the seven-game format benefits the Mets least of all.
1: Yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, I do think the Royals are more likely to win the series. All right. But competitive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In, you're saying in seven. I said in six. Actually, right. I, I wasn't forced to predict, but if I had been, I would have
0: said six. All right. Okay. So that is settled. We think it is a well. What? What is your in in a random game? You don't know home field. You don't know the starters. What percentage uh, favorites are the Royals in your mind? It's like fifty-five. Fifty-five. Okay. Eh. All right. So it's not. It's not super even. It's like uh, It's like typical AL team. Against typical NL team in interleague play. Yes, right. Okay. All right. All right. So then what about the players involved on these two teams? Given the choice, for instance, between the uh, actual players on the Royals, the, uh, the people as well as the playing styles of the Royals, or those of the Blue Jays, who would you have chosen? Blue Jays? And where do the Royals rank? Are they a median team or better? If this were, if you had to pick a random game among all 30 teams, where would the Royals rank just in terms of interest to you?
1: Among all 30 teams, I think they'd be quite high. They'd definitely be top 10. They'd possibly be top 5. I think they're a fun team to watch. I think the playoff teams this year were. Almost all potentially very entertaining, and I don't think this is the best matchup of two teams that could have resulted from the ten teams that started this postseason. But I think it's it's a good one. It's not a bad one. A bad one would have been Cardinals-Yankees, I guess, would have been the, the worst-case scenario for intrigue and the best-case scenario maybe for ratings, I don't know, but almost the best case but we didn't end up with that, and we didn't end up with, say, I don't know, Cubs Astros. Maybe would have been the the most fun matchup. And this is somewhere in the middle of the possible matchups that we could have gotten this postseason.
0: And uh, where, what do you think of the Mets as a team to watch? Very fun. Like the Mets a lot. Uh-huh. Like uh Like watching their
1: pitchers. And, and both of these teams have. Some suffering in the recent past I think you could say that the Royals has been more severe and more prolonged But both have had indignities visited upon them Both of them have kind of had, you know, suffering fan bases to some extent Or things that the fan base could be upset about So neither of them has won a World Series in quite some time So either way, I think it's an interesting story
0: Do you feel any remorse for wrong predictions uh, regarding either of these teams that requires you to root against them? (laughs) No. Yeah, me neither. There was definitely a feeling probably up through the start of last year's division series that just didn't want to acknowledge that the James Shields trade was at worst uh, broke well for the Royals and at best might have been smart. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. and I got over that then, and I don't think there's anything else. I mean, I have uh, in the some sometime mid LCS last year, I grew to like just completely love Ned Yost. Uh-huh. And uh, so, uh, in fact, uh, there's a uh, embracing my, like I'm a I'm a con- I'm a convert in a way. And there's uh, I forget what the saying is, but there's nobody more on fire than a brand new convert. Yeah. Uh, so there's something nice uh, about that. And then uh, the Mets, of course, have um, not only... I mean, there's a lot of reason to like the Mets. I mean, mm-hmm. Bartolo Colon is is beloved, mm-hmm. and uh, Juan Uribe is beloved. So in that sense, there are these two old guys who are just fun to watch. But, um, you know, I, I have a, just a ton of uh, admiration for Sandy Alderson and just read... The book about him and so have even more intrigue or interest in his success and yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of good stories of people who you didn't really think a year ago were going to be in a position where they'd get to uh, be on top of the baseball world so that's mm-hmm. fun too do you have a when you turn on a game this series will there be uh and i'm not going to ask you who it will be for but will you have any rooting interest any Even like 2% you're kind of hoping for one team or the other. I don't think so. Sometimes
1: when the series starts, I catch myself wanting one team to win slightly more. But as of right now, no, I don't think I do. Yeah,
0: I, uh, I don't either. And that's very unusual. I think I probably have in almost every series I've ever watched. Um, and at, at the very least, my default is usually the team that I think is smarter. Mm-hmm. And um, the definition of smart has broadened so much, um, I think, since you and I started doing this podcast in my mind, that I don't really think either one is, is dumb. I guess, I guess I generally think that, well, I guess the Mets owners are unlikable. Mm-hmm. I don't really have a feeling about the Royals owners. Nope. And, yeah, otherwise, though, I mean, both teams have been knocked around somewhat unfairly. Both teams have been probably knocked around a little bit fairly, but they both have done things really well mm-hmm. and uh, in somewhat unintuitive ways. And, um, yeah, it's hard to, it's hard to have a, a smart leader in here. And also, I've somewhat stopped liking smart teams. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I admire Dayton Moore's commitment to the crew cut.
1: Uh huh. I haven't like seen a person walking around with Dayton Moore's haircut, not wearing a military uniform in ever. He's hey. really very committed to it. Yeah, yeah, he is. It has a real shape wow. to it.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: it looks wow. like like when you go to a barber store in New York and they have yeah. the pictures up from like 1992 of but like, it's like the model a, like, that
0: you're supposed to point to. I like want a char- that one. Right, it's a charcoal drawing. It's not even a picture. It's a charcoal drawing, a charcoal sketch (laughs) of it. And it's not even... And it's like a... It's a comb ad.
1: Yeah. It's not even a
0: picture. It's a comb ad.
1: He's just been going to the same barbershop and pointing at the same image from 1991 every time.
0: Do you think he has a comb that has like a... That fastens around the back of his palm and he he sort of palms the... Yes, I think he does. Wow. It's good. Mm It's got... It gets... It looks like it... It gets better with color too. The the more he ages, the the color has become its yeah. own character. Yeah. And it really is more and more like 80s action movie bad guy. Yeah, I really like it. All right. Well, so now <laughs> I'm rooting for them.
1: <laughs> but that was all it took to move you from one side to another. So you didn't have much of a rooting interest.
0: Yeah, it's true. I um okay. Uh, what else? What else could we judge this? As good or bad. I mean, everybody will always talk about whether it's good or bad for ratings, which I don't. I've never cared about at all.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I don't know. It's got a New York team. Yeah, should should do fine. Should do fine.
1: I think the okay. Royals had pretty good ratings last year because they were an exciting team and there was a story surrounding them. I don't know. I I hope people watch baseball. I generally want ratings to be good. I think mm-hmm. people maybe misinterpret the ratings sometimes, but I'm all for baseball's being popular.
0: Man, that is a strong jaw, too. Yeah. All right, what else? Well, interesting players. There are Uh,
1: interesting players in this series. There are some young players that we're getting to experience for the first time, like guys like Cindergaard and guys who haven't been around that long. And there are, like... You know, guys who are the old soldier, who are getting back to this point, like David Wright. And there are players I like. I Ben Zobrist is an interesting player. I like watching Ben Zobrist. Or Alex Gordon is a fun player. Or suddenly Alcides Escobar is a really fun player and a mystifying player. And Daniel Murphy is interesting all of a sudden. And the Mets pitchers are all interesting. And Johannes Cespedes is fun to watch. So if you just rated every player on a scale of 1 to 10, as far as how interesting they were, you would have two teams that were above the median.
0: If you were to rate a a style of play based on how interesting it is, Mm -hmm. the Royals would be the most interesting style of play. Definitely, yes. Without a doubt. I mean, for all the things that uh, drive stat heads crazy at times, uh, it is simply more interesting to watch three uh, discrete actions produce a, ran, a, win, a run and require cheering for all three than to wait for a home run. It's not necessarily better. It's not necessarily optimal. It's not necessarily something that teams should 100% build around. Maybe it is, maybe it's not. But it is undeniably more interesting to see the ball uh, put in play and to see base runners, to have the split screen where you're seeing whether the base runner is going to take off when the pitcher goes and to see... Uh, diving plays and to see all that sort of stuff Mm -hmm. so they're a good they're a good team for viewing yeah they are playing against a team that will strike a lot of them out anyway Mm -hmm. and I'm very intrigued by that matchup and what it means I'm intrigued by the matchup between the Mets flyball hitters and the Royals defense
1: Uh uh-huh and right yes and the Royals flyball pitchers
0: and the Royals flyball pitchers
1: yeah, I wrote about that in the World Series preview I did with Jonah. I think the Mets fastballs versus Royals fastball hitters. Obviously, everyone has talked about it. It's not really an overlooked thing, but I think it's pretty interesting. I'm curious to see how that works out. Not that we will actually learn that much about it in the course of a few games, but I think it's, I think it's the rare case of a time when you can actually point to a thing that a team does well. That might counteract a thing that the other team does well And that's pretty rare in baseball mm-hmm. Yeah I do buy it, I think just I'm Even not though
0: gonna... la- last year we made a big deal about the absurd narrative About the Giants hitting fastballs, remember? Yeah the Giants uh, batting average on 95 plus fastballs And we thoroughly deconstructed mm-hmm. that argument And I think maybe didn't rob Arthur too uh, Rob wrote about it and sort
1: of supported it, actually.
0: Yeah,
1: all right. But yeah, it was. People always cite the batting average against, you know, fastballs of a certain speed or something, and it can be deceptive because you're just looking at the results on at bats that ended with that pitch. So you don't really know. I mean, maybe you swung and missed at that pitch a whole lot, and if you're just looking at batting average, then it's not telling you how much you're hitting it for power and that sort of thing. But Any way that you look at the Royals, they seem to be a really good fastball-hitting team. They're like a—over the course of the season, they were a slightly above-average offensive team. But against fastballs, they were better than anyone else against the Blue Jays. And the faster the fastball, the greater the gap between them and everyone else. So that, like, by the point that you get to whatever cutoff, 94 miles an hour and above or something— the Royals were best or second best, and a big gap between them in the league. And same thing if you look at, like, their whiff percentage. They barely struck out any more often against really fast fastballs than all fastballs, and most people strike out much more often. So all the numbers are in my Grantland article, and I won't bore people by reciting them on the air, but they are pretty convincing to me. I want more numbers. <laughs> I'll send you a link. Uh. And the Mets oh, right. do not have that ability. The Mets don't hit very well on really fast fastballs, which is the norm. But the Royals do. And the Royals also throw a lot of really fast fastballs. Almost as many as the Mets. Do they really?
0: They do. I mean, I know they have... I can think of two starters and two relievers who throw really fast fastballs. Which yeah. is is a fair number. But with the Mets, I can think of none who don't. Yeah,
1: pretty much... Pretty much. Everyone except Bartolo Cologne throws really fast fastball.
0: Yeah. And even Bartolo can get up to, I don't know if he's still game, but as of like a year ago, he could still pump up to 93. Yeah, I think... Which is not a really fast fastball, but... No,
1: not anymore, but he's around 91 average, I think, so he probably still gets up there. Yeah. Good defensive team, the Royals, obviously, and that's another thing that you think would favor the Royals in this series. Not just that they are a better defensive team, which obviously favors them, but the fact that the Royals put a ton of balls in play and the Mets aren't that great at catching them. Mets outfield is good, but the Mets infield, at least by defensive run saved, was like tied for the second worst this season, and Royals obviously put lots of balls in play, so you would think that would benefit them here too.
0: The Mets outfield is good?
1: Yeah, Mets outfield is pretty good. Do you think that you have enough to say that the Royals are good at advanced scouting? Would um, you count it as a factor in their favor?
0: Hmm. So we have basically, f- that we know of, we have four, four extreme examples. The David Price's changeup, Jose Bautista throwing to second. Mm-hmm. David Price not, by the way, David Price not picking up guys off,
1: mm-hmm.
0: not throwing pickoff moves. Which we didn't even mention from the Verducci article. Yeah. But what are the odds that two years in a row, the Royals would discover an ace starter <laughs> who essentially has the yips and can't throw it first? Now, Price isn't quite so bad,
1: yeah. but
0: what, he threw over five times all year,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and when he does, it's sort of like a weird throw that doesn't look right, and somehow he still didn't allow a stolen base all year, and just, it's like it's like the Royals... Like I don't know, it's it's like they won the lottery. I, it's not quite, but it's like they won the lottery, and then the next year they went back and bought another lottery ticket, and they're like, well, those were good numbers, and so they bought new numbers that were the, exactly the same, and they just worked again. Like, what are the odds that they they just be like, I don't know, check if he makes pickoff throws, <laughs> and they're like, oh, he doesn't. He's another guy who doesn't make pickoff throws. That's really crazy. Yeah. You'd think you'd think David Price might have picked up on the Royals doing it, like like David Price is really bad at advanced scouting. Like the you know the Royals are gonna figure this out about you. It's what they do. Yeah, they totally cracked John Lester, dude. You're not getting it past them. The Mets have
1: thrown the fewest pickoff attempts of any team, any NL team this year.
0: Yeah, but are they afraid to, or yeah, is it? I don't know. I mean, yeah, that's just completely mind blowing that that worked again. And that, that not that it worked, but that they just bumped into this exact same problem. What are the odds that they would bump into this exact, like, almost the same thing two years in a row? It's weird. It's mm-hmm. crazy. And nobody stole against him all year. Yeah. Five pickoff throws, Ben. I know. And the dude didn't give him a stolen base once. Crazy. Baseball is so hard. <laughs> Or yes. easy.
1: Uh, yeah, I don't I know what the lesson to draw from that is, really.
0: Anyway, so then there's that, and then there's the John Lester of the same. Mm-hmm. So we can definitely conclude that Rusty Kuntz is good at his job. Okay. I'll give I'll give that with no problem at all. The change-up, and then the Jose Bautista throw. That's a, that is a pretty good one. Jose Bautista throwing to second is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Like that's not something I would have noticed in my Stomper's advanced scouting, and -hmm. it's not something I would never have shared it with the team because I would have thought I don't want to clutter them up. Mm -hmm. And um, not likely to arise. It seems like yeah, like the I don't know if it's that they're great advanced scouts or not, and I don't know if it's that they're great at somehow packaging this in a way that the players hear it and remember it, or not. Mm -hmm. But to your question, do we have enough to say that they have great advanced scouts? Uh, we know enough to say that they have great advanced scouts. I don't know enough to say whether all 29 other teams have equally great advanced scouts. Yeah. What their advanced scouts did impress me as an observer of baseball and as a person who attempts to watch the game in an intelligent way and would never in a million years pick up on any of this stuff. hmm Right. I, I don't know whether every team could put together a clip roll like this. Uh, or not,
1: but yeah. it's well, impressive. Other teams haven't had these signature moments that hinged on these advanced scouting moments. It might just be that they happened to have these moments that they were able to take advantage of this well, stuff, and other teams haven't. But
0: I mean, it's conceivable that the Reds do... I, I mean, are they... Sing, like, with the David Price change-ups, it, maybe the Reds did this in, in June against, you know, Chris Heston, Yeah, and Tom Verducci wasn't there to write about it, because... Right. It's right. so a game in June against Chris Heston. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, Kane scoring from first is pretty good, and you probably would notice that, but you do notice a lot of things in baseball. A lot of weird things happen, a lot of impressive things, cool things happen, mm-hmm. uh, and nobody's there. also have to
1: have Lorenzo Kane running in that spot. If you have some other runner, like almost any other runner on the team probably, running in that same situation, you can know exactly what Jose Bautista is going to do, and you probably still can't score
0: and if it's the if it's the 6th inning of a game in august he probably yeah. doesn't even try it there's nobody out he's yeah. probably not even he's you don't even push it in that situation and also the part of the reason that the royals advanced scouts picked up on this stuff according to the public story is that they've basically had guys on this team for a month right mm-hmm. more than a month yeah. and so you you w- maybe every team that Put a guy on a team for more than a month or watched every play on video. I don't, uh, you know, however they do it, maybe they would have some stories like this. I don't know. It's hard to say. But I will say that I'm impressed by what they do and I I do lean toward uh, slightly above average. I mean, look, the, the, the guys themselves who are doing this, I bet they're really good at their jobs. I bet, a, like everybody in baseball, is really good at their jobs, though. Mm-hmm. I have a hard time thinking that they've found the like the four geniuses in the world of advanced scouting i don't even know what you would look for in to hire the i mean most i don't know i don't even know how much i'm not sure how much thought process even goes into hiring advanced scouts yeah i don't know well
1: there's been a lot of talk about advanced scouting and certain teams having tons of guys on the road and other teams not and Mm -hmm. i believe that there's some value to i mean there's clearly a lot of value to advanced scouting potentially and i believe that there's potentially some value to having a person in the ballpark as opposed to remote but none of the thing none of these famous examples is something that you necessarily needed to be there to spot right i mean you could have any of these royals examples is something that you could have picked up either from video or from a printout of the number of times that a pitcher throws to first, right? I mean, I'm sure that there is some value to seeing it, but I you know, when I was with the Yankees which was like 5 6 years ago, it was very easy to just call up all of an outfielder's throws and watch them in quick succession and have an intern rate the strength and accuracy of the throws. So and like before a series, you would do that and just watch and like see how a guy threw and that was several years ago and it's even easier to do that stuff now so you could watch all of Jose Batista's throws from the year and spot that and probably most people still would not spot it and even if they did spot it they might not communicate it effectively or whoever the target was might not listen to it, might not take it into account so there are a whole bunch of ways that it could break down along the way but at least in theory, it's not something that you couldn't do from afar. That's true. Okay. Just wanted to mention that.
0: Yeah. I I do think that there's a tone to a lot of articles about the Royals' advanced scouting or about advanced scouts in general yeah. that try to turn the 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 teams that send somebody out right. into the good guys and the teams that yes. rely on video into the bad guys, and there's not really any reason to do that. I mean everybody's essentially trying to do the same thing. Like this isn't even really a an ideological split. This is essentially they're trying they're all trying to do the same thing. They're all trying to get as much good information as they can using the eyes and expertise of scouts. Mm-hmm. And which which medium you choose to use or how you choose to invest your dollars is not like a political thing right. and yet there is that sort of political tone in a lot of these articles it just seems that like is un- unnecessary
1: yeah like one of them plays into the stereotype of stat heads not watching baseball or whatever and so you can just you know look up the number of times that a guy has made a pickoff attempt or you can look at pitchfx or you can look at video or something and it maybe plays into that that idea but at the core, it's the same thing, really.
0: Has anybody ever blended into the background better than Paul De Podesta?
1: Yeah, he's had a pretty low profile lately.
0: Yeah. I mean, there were a few years where, it, like, if Paul De Podesta like, gave a speech, you heard about it. Or if he, you know, like, he had the blog and whatever. He was, mm-hmm. he was almost impossible to avoid. And then he goes to New York mm-hmm. and just very quietly just very quietly becomes a background part of this front office, and in a lot of ways, an extremely important. Like, I mean, what we're talking about is essentially the Mets player development department, mm-hmm. which is what he is the AGM of. Mm-hmm. And you never hear his name. I haven't heard his name once this postseason. Yeah, neither have I, till now. Huh. Your cover is blown. Yeah. <laughs> you don't really hear about the Mets front office. Nope, you don't. You know, it's like It's like it's like everybody just appeared. It's like all the players just showed up. <laughs> wanted to play. Yeah. It's I've, like I've, it's like like they like they had like they were just the neighborhood team.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've heard more about how Omar Minaya put much of this team together than I have about the actual people who are still there.
0: Yeah. I guess he's not the AGM, he's the vice president just for the record. Mhm. <laughs> Think we'll hear will you hear Paul DeBenedetta's name in this World Series on on a on broadcast? broadcast? no okay will you hear omar manias yes
1: mm. okay now there's some stakes now i'm excited will, for this series
0: will you hear Andy mccullough's <laughs> on the broadcast yeah no what about joe poznanski no i agree <laughs> okay okay what do you think johnny cueto will do start game two which is kind of surprising mm-hmm. when you think when you think about it
1: yeah, well, I guess they have a couple extra starters, really, or they could, I mean, if he comes out and he's bad, like he was in his last start in Toronto, then they could just put Chris Young in there. <laughs> it seems kind of crazy that we're talking about Johnny Cueto being a guy that you would just get out of there and put, like, Chris Young or or Medlin in. But I but, guess he's kind of at that point.
0: But Ventura would start, could start Game 2 on normal rest. Yep. And so it... I don't know, it's somewhat surprising that they wouldn't do that. I, I guess maybe if you did that, then you're, you're probably not gaining anything out of it, since Ventura's probably starting games 2 and 6 and isn't really very likely to come on short rest for game 5 anyway. And if he starts game 6, he's probably not really a bullpen option in game 7 anyway. And if you do it, then there's maybe like a 1% or 2% chance that you'll end up getting something extra out of Ventura in one of those scenarios that I just said was improbable. But in doing so, you further humiliate Johnny Cueto and get in his head and have him now further demoted. And so maybe that's why you don't do it. Or maybe, in fact, maybe they answered this in a question to some reporter and we just missed it. Uh, But, you know, maybe they just figured, ah, Ventura could use a blow. He's been pitching a lot and the couple extra days of rest will help him. That's sort of what the Mets were thinking with the Grom, Mm
1: -hmm. giving him extra rest. Alright, well I'm looking forward to this series I'll be at the games in New York I think it's Very close I think the Royals have a few advantages The fastball hitting stuff that we've mentioned I think they're really good at Restricting the running game In all of its forms And the Mets have been pretty aggressive On the base pass so far this postseason So I don't know whether that will be able to continue The way it has And Royals have the Fly ball versus fly ball effect in their favor and the better defense, better bullpen, home field advantage.
0: So I'm going Royals. Okay. Well, good. Now you've got a root for them. (laughs) Now you've got a rooting interest. Yeah. I don't know. I felt I've had
1: a vague negativity about the Mets all year because I feel like I missed an opportunity because I had to pick a surprise team. Everyone at Grantland had to pick a surprise team for our preview in April and people will just have to take my word for this or not but I passed on the Mets as a surprise team because I thought they were too good to be a surprise team I'm very strict about my
0: surprises and breakouts <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, <you know. laughs> I yeah one time there was a right one time wasn't there one time when you had to write a surprise piece for like ESPN insider or something or no you were on MLB and they wanted oh, yeah. a breakout and you <laughs> called me and you're like I need a breakout. Who can I do for a breakout? And I like suggested somebody who was. It was like I don't know, like Steven Souza. And Susan. you're like, I don't know. Isn't he already broken out? Yeah, every- no, <laughs> no. And then and then you got what? What was? I'm trying to remember this whole story. But then the producers like, like uh, Brian What Kennedy about what me. about Prince Fielder? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know.
1: I always feel that way. I always feel like half the breakout picks are people who are really good already. Right. And like if. <laughs> If they were going to break out, they'd have to be the MVP or something because they were already good. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm strict about my breakouts, and I'm strict about my surprise teams, and I felt like the Mets were like a, you know, dark horse, wild card team. Like, I, I'm i not surprised that they made the playoffs. I'm surprised that they're in the World Series. I'm surprised that they were better than the Nationals. I can't claim that I saw this coming, but I'm not
0: shocked. I picked the Rays because I thought... That'd be pretty surprising <laughs> if they oh, were good. Interesting. I almost feel like the Rays would be less surprising. I think people wrote off the Rays.
1: Uh-huh. Maybe I thought- for a good reason. But the Mets had the, like, we knew they were going to have this really good rotation at some point in the year. And once you have that, you can maybe kind of piece together the rest of a team that's good enough. And that's what they did
0: yeah so you're mad because you could have had the thing about it ben though is if you're going to have any integrity you can never ever hold up one of your own predictions having been right yes you just can't do it because you're just throwing dice and going this one this one worked and then and then every other one that didn't work you're like ah whatever you can't predict baseball Mm -hmm. so it's it's really shameful so i'm not even tempted It really is shameful that you're holding on to this. <laughs> you're you're trying to get credit for a prediction you didn't make. Yeah. After spending most of your career wisely decrying the prediction game. Yeah, it's pretty bad. It is pretty bad. I jumped the shark. So So Royals and Six, you say. Mm-hmm. All right, I'll hold you to it. <laughs> okay. My uh my boss made me predict something. Like to him, like we were on the phone. Mm-hmm. And he's like, uh, this was at the beginning of the postseason. It's like, so what do you think about the uh, the playoffs? Who what do you see? Who do you see? Yeah. Like, and I'm like, I don't, yeah, I don't do that. He's like, well, come on, you gotta. I'm like, no, I mean, no, I don't, I don't, I don't have any I don't have any feelings. Yeah. And he's he's like, I insist. <laughs> <laughs> and I I said, All right, I don't think the Royals are gonna win it all. Or the Rangers. I said, I don't think the Rangers are gonna win at all. I, and he's like, come on, that's not enough. And so then I, I I actually while I'm on the phone with him, I opened up a random number generator <laughs> and then did a random number generator for the ten teams and then looked alphabetically and said Cubs <laughs> And he's like and and, and that's all I said. I just said Cubs and he goes, Yeah no, I see where you're going. Totally get it. <laughs> and we talked and we talked about the Cubs for a while. And it was okay.
1: Uh-huh.
0: I didn't. Uh, I mean, sure, the Cubs. Why not the Cubs? Yeah, it's good to pick as any. I I just don't like doing it. No, hate doing I just, it. I don't like. I don't like it. I don't like feeling like I have to be in a position where I have to convince somebody of anything. That's the main thing. Like I don't. If you have an opinion, I just don't really feel like. Like I'm. I'm kind of happy to just say a thing and leave it there. And maybe I'll convince you by peer pressure. Like maybe you'll see it and be like, okay, sure, as good as anything else. But I don't wanna engage in that prediction because I just don't feel like arguing is fun. And (laughs) like I don't wanna I don't wanna have to lay out like six points and then have you rebut them and then eventually we're like seventeen degrees away from the original argument because we're debating like the the meaning of run differential or something like that and So, I don't know. Just uh, try to avoid it. Mm-hmm. Did you know our book is available for pre-order? I did. I saw it just now. I just just saw that now. Who's that editor? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know either.
1: Man, we really have to write this thing. And It says exactly how many pages it is. We're not <laughs> even finished yet. <laughs> Someone already knows. It's 304 pages.
0: Huh. All right. Okay. Well,
1: that's what we're aiming for then. Okay. Okay. Oh, All right. All right. Good luck. Watch the World Series. You can send us emails at podcastofbaseballperspectives.com at and join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash effectively wild. Rate and review and subscribe to the show and support our sponsor, the play index at baseballreference.com using the coupon code BP. You get the discounted price of $30 on a one-year subscription. We'll be back soon.